A non-Catholic boy fell in love with a Catholic girl. They were madly, madly in love. It wasn't long until they decided they were going to marry one another. And uh, the mama, who was staunch in her religion, was very much in objection to it because she didn't think you ought to marry outside your faith. And so the mother and the girl decided that they would have to sell the boy on the idea of coming over to their faith. And so they went to work. I mean, they worked on this boy. They worked him over. They worked him up one side, down the other. They got him to go to mass, and they got him to go to catechism. Just over a period of time wore him down until finally he converted to the, to the Catholic Church. He got so in, enamored with it and, and so took with it, and they just kept selling him on the idea one week before the wedding. The young lady, the bride, came to her mama's house and said, Mama, 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 she's just in tears. said, Mama, Mama, we oversold it, we oversold it, we oversold it. And she said, what in the world is the matter? She said, we oversold it. What did we oversell? We oversold the church. Now he wants to be a priest and I can't marry him. You know, when you're dating, there's a lot of overselling that goes on, doesn't there? I mean, let's be honest, dating is not reality, is it? See, you're about to hear, for those of you in the teen section and in the, and other various sections, you're about to hear a good amen because there's something that happens about six weeks to six months after you say I do that lets you know that what you thought you had is not what you got when you walked down the aisle and started out with what you had with what you thought. Anyway, it just doesn't. Amen. A lot of overselling going on. Because dating isn't reality. I mean, if you're dating and you're fussing, you know what you can do? You can leave. You're married. You can't. You may go one end of the house to the other, but most of us, we start off so poor, our houses were so little when we first got married, it was just like, well, okay, I'll go to the other room, here we are. We tend to oversell. I've talked to a few folks who I know who do this online dating thing, you know, eHarmony and, and, and other things, and I ask them, I say, you know, do they, do they oversell themselves, you know, and so when like... You get there, you know, and it's not really kind of like what you thought. And they said, oh, yeah, there's a lot of overselling going on. Well, statistics tell us that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. This is non-Christian. This is Christian. This is folks outside the church. You folks inside the church, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Now, most of us understand that if 50% of General Motors cars fail, they just didn't go, we'd call that a crisis. If 50% of the airplanes, whether it's Southwest, Northwest, Midwest, or, or going west, doesn't matter, if they failed, well, you wouldn't fly, and we would say we have a national crisis. When you get to 50% of something in a negative, you're in crisis mode. 50% of marriages end in divorce. And yet you don't see a lot of people going into 
crisis mode. Today we're going to talk about one of the key things to protecting your house. And that's the sermon series we're in, is protecting your house, is to biblically love your wife. This is directed at men who are married, men who want to get married, girls who are dating a guy, and people who are engaged. I mean, there's a lot of application here. So, ladies, what I need you to do, and, and wives, what I want you to do is, in, in just a second, you'll understand why. Because this is going to be a little rough on you guys, all right? And, and I want them to feel a little love, and I want you, only if you're by your own husband. Now, don't go smooching on somebody else's husband, all right? Don't do that. We want to protect our own house. But what, ladies, what I would like for you to do is just lean over, give him a little peck on the cheek, pat his leg, and say, buckle up, honey, it's going to be a good one. Don't get too carried away. I want to talk to you about protecting your house. It's my contention, it's my contention that we marry for sociological reasons instead of theological reasons. She's hot. She makes me look good. She makes me happy. I can talk to her about anything. Yeah, right. We, we, we marry for sociological reasons rather than biblical ones. I just simply want to tell you social truth will not protect your house. Biblical truth will protect your house. Your house has to be guarded, surrounded, protected by biblical truth. So we got to learn how to protect our house. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Now, I hope you have your Bible. I know we throw these things on the screen. This is primarily for our guests who come and may not have a Bible I know if you attend to this church, you probably got on average five Bibles in your home, and you ought to bring one of those five to church. You say, well, I use my PDA. I use my, I use my cell phone. I got my Bible in there. I know you got your Bible in there, and you're also texting during church as well. So bring your Bible. Put your phone up. Because you need to see what God is saying in his word. He says in verse 33 of Ephesians 5, and by the way, from verse 20 to 33 is one of the greatest Christological passages in the entire Bible. And here's what it says. It says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Men, God knew that the hardest thing for you to do over time, is to show love to your wife in a meaningful way that communicates love to her. Ladies, God knew that the hardest thing for you to do in a husband-wife relationship over time is to honor your man in an honoring way that communicates honor to him. You take all the marriage books that have ever been written, I guarantee you there's always two core elements involved in the writings, love and honor. 
You bring all 85 to 90% of all of the people who have had marital strife or marital conflict. I guarantee you by the time you unpackage it and unwrap it and you peel away all of the layers, somewhere you're going to get to the issues of love and honor. And so this morning we're going to talk to the men about loving your wife. Look at verse 25. The question then becomes, how do we love our wives? If I'm to love my wife, verse 33, how do I love my wife? So verse 25 answers that question. It says, husbands, love your wives like. Now I want to just say a word. If you've got an NIV Bible, it probably says just as or even as. And if you have the King James Bible, it says the other one. I did a little poking around that verse, and the word is a, what in our English language would be a simile. It's a word of comparison. I coach an under eight soccer team, and I, I like coaching. It's a hobby of mine. And so when I try to teach them to strike the ball, many times I'll demonstrate it to them. You put your foot here, turn your foot here, drive through here. You hit the ball, you strike the ball like this. When you throw the ball in, two hands over your head, both feet on the ground, you have to throw it in like this corner kick you have to do a corner kick like this and so I will demonstrate and what they are to do and so this is a comparative word saying that Jesus Christ has demonstrated and what he has demonstrated this is now what men you and I are responsible to do we are to love our wives like 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 Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. We all like the like Christ loved the church part. The gave him up for her part is talk about the cross. You see, men, we have to protect our home by passionately and sacrificially loving our wives. Now, ladies, you can amen in here. The guys are going to get... A little gun shy here before we're done, all right? The word love in our day has been cheapened. It's been denigrated. It, it really kind of has lost its kind of, just kind of oomph, you know? I love chocolate. How many chocolate-holics out there? Hey, man, we love chocolate. How many people love, uh, love vanilla ice cream? Yes. How many people just love any ice cream? Yay. How many love to golf? How many love your wife? And some of you guys are going, eh, depending on the week, you know. It's just kind of, eh, I don't know. See, we, we love hot dogs, and we love the tigers, and we love our wives, and we use it so much that it kind of loses its meaning in the translation. Let me give you the biblical definition of love. And on your bulletin every Sunday, there's a place for you to take notes. And, and, and here on the screen coming up is a definition you need to write down. I'm telling you, you need to write it down. It is the biblical definition of love. We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. The biblical concept of agape. Everybody say agape. Say it again, agape. There were three words for love in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in. Eros, phileo, and agape. Say agape one more time. Agape. And in biblical love, it's the giving of oneself for the benefit of the other, even at your own expense. It is the giving of oneself for the benefit of the other, even at your own expense. 
In other words, you want to make the other person a spiritually better person because you have spent a lifetime together. Marriage is not about having children. Marriage is not about making you happy or having somebody to talk to. Marriage is a mutual agreement to edify and encourage and lift up one another for the benefit of the other, even at your own expense. The next definition that you're going to come up is, is very similar to that. Biblical love is giving yourself for the benefit of the other and picking up the price tag for the gift. I ask married couples or couple, engaged couples all the time, you know, give me five reasons that you want to get married. And one of the reasons cannot be because we love each other. And I get some of the most sincerely sickening answers. You know, because she's my best friend. Because he makes me happy. Because I can talk to her about anything. I don't know what's wrong with those statements. It's all for the benefit of self, isn't it? She makes me happy, so I want to marry her. It never dawns on him that there will be a day when she doesn't make him happy. And we all might as well amen, because ladies, haven't you had a day when your hubby had made you happy? Amen? And so we talk in terms of this self-benefit. Oh, I can talk to her. I can love her. And she's easy to talk to. She understands me. She's my best friend. Nobody has ever come to me and said, Pastor Mike, I want to marry because I want to give myself for the benefit of her life. And I'll be willing to pick up the price tag for anything that makes her a better and whole person in Christ Jesus. You say, where is the romance in that? Listen, I'm telling you, and ladies, if you want to amen here or not, that's okay. If you don't, that's fine too. But I'm telling you, most women I know, when a husband assumes the spiritual headship of the home, and the husband loves her like Christ loves the church, and gave himself up sacrificially for her, when a man loves his wife with that kind of self-giving, self-sacrificing kind of love, she will adore him throughout that marriage. The problem is, the men say, you know, you respect me first, honey, and then I'll, no. That's the game you don't want to play. And by the way, you girls that are here, don't you go marry a guy because he makes you happy. There are people who got married this past weekend because they believe they made him happy. Don't get married for social reasons. Get married for theological reasons because you believe it's the will of God for you and her and to be together and that you will mutually enter into a covenant relationship before God as husband and wife so that you together will make one another more like Christ because of spending a lifetime together serving Christ together. You say, where's the romance in that? Talk to me after you're married. I'll tell you where it's at. We got this whole thing of love all flipped around. See, we've made love this self-centered thing. When the Bible always talks about that it's a self-giving thing, it's a self-sacrificing kind of thing. The Bible says a man should love his wife like loves the church. And so when it comes to this 
issue of love and loving our wives, we're not going to take our cue from Don Juan or Casanova or Hollywood or GQ or, or television. Man, we're going to take our cue from what the Bible says, and, and we're going to take what says in his word and love our wives like Christ loved the church. Now, the question that has to be asked then, how do you love like Christ loved the church? If I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church, how do I love my wife like Christ loved the church? I want to give you three things that are in the passage. I may get to two of them at another point and another message. I want to focus on one here today. All right? Three things. Sacrifice, suffering, and substitution. Jesus Christ loved you, loves me. With great sacrifice, with personal substitution, and he intensely suffered simply because he loved us. Now, I know some of you guys are going, oh, the suffering part, already got that done, Pastor. I'm good on that one. Great, that's not the one we're talking about today. We're going to talk about sacrifice. The sacrificial love, where you love her. For the benefit, or for her benefit, and helping her to be more like Christ. Look at verse 25 again. It says, Jesus gave himself up for her. This is referring to Christ's sacrifice on the cross for the sins of every person in the world. This is where Jesus died on the cross for the sins of every person in the world. Now, guys, let's be honest. You may want to be the macho man because you married the macho girl. When your wife looks at you, she may think of roses and flowers and hearts. But one of the symbols that comes to her mind ought to be the cross. Because you are to love her like Christ loved the church. And he loved the church so much that he sacrificially laid down everything for the church's benefit. Everything. He held back nothing. The love of a husband for the wife, love of his wife looks like a cross. And when the Love of a husband is right when it's powerful, when it's protecting, when it's potent, when it's transforming, when it's intimate, and when it's leading. I'm telling you, it looks like the cross. Men don't look at love that way, though. We look at love as great feelings and wonderful emotions and dynamic interplay. Jesus said, listen, when your wife looks at you, she needs to know that you love her like I love the church. And you need to give yourself to her like I gave myself to the church. The cross ought to be an emblem of your marriage. Marriage is like the cross because Jesus Christ gave himself up for her. Now, now let's just kind of, it's about to get real hard for her, for you guys right now and me too. If I ask your wife, what did you give up last week? What did you give up last month that was of value to you? Because of what she needs or what she desires or what she cherishes, how long would that list be? 
In other words, if I were to ask your wife, what did you sacrifice, men, that was of value to you? In order to meet a need in your wife? How long would the list be? Thursday night we were coming back from Ohio. We a tragedy struck a, a dear friend of, of mine and quite a few of ours here in the church. And I went down to Terry and I did. And on the way back Thursday night, you know, the 9 o'clock game, game seven, the Red Wings game, you know. And I'm trying to find it and we, we're getting in late and I'm trying to find it and it's like staticky and, and I get it. And, and, and I find it and we're going in and out of coverage, you guys, because we don't have Sirius Radio or any of that kind of stuff. And so, man, I'm just kind of kind of going in and out of coverage, you know. And my wife has this wonderful spirit spiritual gift and I, I know it's directly from the Lord I really do my wife has this wonderful gift to be quiet during the commercials and then soon as the game comes back on commercial game back on you know what I'm talking about, guys, right? It was driving me crazy. And you know what I did? I just reached down, turned the radio off. You know why I did that? I knew I was preaching this this morning. I, that's exactly why. <laughs> I wanted something on my list. Honestly, we got home and it wasn't on, we, you know, my, didn't have it on, on cable. I went back out to the garage, sat into the car in peace and quiet and listened to the last part of the last three minutes of the game. Hey guys, what have you willingly sacrificed? It was something you valued. You saw a need in your wife. You saw a desire in your wife. You saw a hurt in your wife and you willingly laid it down. She didn't have to ask you. She didn't have to prompt you. She didn't have to send a little signal. She didn't have to send an email. She didn't have to roll her eyes when you told her about your plans for that day. You just sensed that it was the right thing to do because you simply loved her more than those things. And you preferred her over those things. And you decided you would sacrifice those things that you don't love so much for the one thing that you do love so much, your wife. And I'm telling you, any wife, when she sees her man sacrificing the things that he loves because she he loves her more, I'm telling you, any woman in this room will willingly love that kind of man. But we just don't think in terms of love like that. I mean, we, we think in terms of, of, of love. I mean, guys, when was the last time? When was the last time? I'm getting better at this. I ain't got it good yet. When was the last time after watching ball all day and three repeat shows of Sports Center that you handed your wife after six hours of Saturday sports? The remote control and say, honey, I know you like that show on that home garden channel. Go ahead. Hit the buttons. And you know what we do? We sit in the captain's chair and we hang on to that thing like, oh. I'm 
not talking about remote controls. Guys, I'm talking about things that demand real sacrifice. Real commitment. Because you love your wife more. You say, well, wait a minute. If I'm sacrificing, if I'm doing all this stuff, what do I get out of it? You get a wife that will adore you like nobody's business. And that is a whole lot better than anything you'll ever give up. And so, so we talk about this term of, of sacrifice. Marriage is like a cross, and, and we willingly give up. You know, if I were to ask you why you're a Christian, it wouldn't take you five minutes to figure this thing out. If I were to ask you why you're a Christian, you would say it's because I've responded to an act of love of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. He publicly sacrificed himself for my sins. He died so that I might live openly for everyone to see because he loves me. It is because of his sacrificial work on the cross that I am a Christian. Listen. The Bible says, Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives like, like Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.25 declares that a man who is loving like Christ can visibly be seen sacrificing that which is of value to him for the benefit of the one he loves. Have you ever read Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 7? You don't have to turn there, but let me just kind of paraphrase you. It talks about Jesus, who didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God, emptied himself, submitted himself, humbled himself, and became, took on the form of a servant, became obedient even unto the death of the cross. So that you and I, who are the sons of men, might know the power and the love of God, so that we might be adopted and placed into the family of God. You see... Jesus sacrificed for us, for our betterment. He died on the cross to take us out of sin, a life of heartache and brokenness, and place us and adopt us in the family of God. I know some of you men, you're sitting there and you still don't get it. Because your dad's never talked to you, you don't hear this at the gym, and even we as Christians, we just don't talk about this stuff, kind of, you know, how do you love your wife more? You know, what's the pattern? What's the model? Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself of her. We We don't talk about it. We just assume that we're the man. We just assume that because we're a Christian man doing Christian things that our wives will see the sacrifices we're making for the church and appreciate it because we're making the sacrifices for the church. I'll go you one better. Jesus said, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church. Jesus is impressed, yes, by what you do in the church, but he is equally, if not more, impressed by what you give up and how you serve your spouse. Because we all want to be the man, don't we? I mean, don't we all want to slide around and just kind of let everybody know, oh, yeah. Jesus said, if you really want to be the man, then you love your wife like I love the church. 
sacrificially you give so that it makes her a better person, a better believer, a better Christian for spending a lifetime together with you. Now, let me just tell you something. We got some of the prettiest teenage and, and college and career age, college and, and young people in, in America. I mean, we really do. We got some pretty girls. We got some good-looking guys in, in our church. You can all amen to your kids. Go ahead, you know, just kind of kind of amen right there. Now, let me just tell you this. Young people, if a guy, girls, you listen to me. If a guy will not love you like Jesus loved the church, he is not worthy of you. Nor of the time that you will live with him for the rest of your life. Guys, if she will not live as a godly woman and honor you, she is not worthy for you. But Pastor Mike, she is so flaming hot. I get that. Keep your hormones under control and base your life on biblical truth, and God will bless you for it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you're a baseball fan, it's a good time to be a Tigers fan right now. What have we won seven in a row, eight in a row? Go, Tigers! Because we know football's coming. And if you're not familiar, and even if you don't know baseball, most of us are familiar enough with baseball to understand what a sacrifice bunt is. A sacrifice bunt is when a guy comes up to the plate and the third base coach flashes a sign. I don't know what he does. He does this and all that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I just go, we're bunting the ball. And the guy takes his bat, he doesn't take a full swing, and the ball hits it and he kind of deadens a little bit, tips it towards the first baseline, uh, drags it down the first baseline, or pushes it down the third baseline. And most of the time, it's because there are men on base, and the game situation demands that they move the runners along. So now, here you come up to the plate. You want to swing for the fences. You want to you work on your RBI numbers. You want to work on your home run total. You want to work on your batting average. And you look down with that bat in your hand, you look down at the third base line, and there's the coach. He flashes you the bunt sign. Your personal preference was to swing for the fences. Your personal preference was to go long. Your personal preference was to hit the dinger, to go yard. That's about all the baseball terminology I know anymore. But the coach said, no, we want you to sacrifice your statistics. We want you to sacrifice being on the highlight reel of ESPN. We want you to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. We want you to sacrifice your preference so that the team can be in a better position to score and win the game. Men, when you said, I do, God said, all right, sometimes we're going to swing for the fences. 
But most of the time, the sign comes down from heaven, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. You lay down your preferences. You lay down your desires. You lay down your highlight dreams so that you can move your wife and your family along to greater Christ-likeness. So that as the spiritual leader of the household, you can love her like Christ loved the church lovingly, passionately, and sacrificially. Loving her like Christ loved the church. It's not easy to be the sacrifice monk guy because most of the time it means you get thrown out. It means a lot of times the high fives go to the, the guy that scores, that you put into scoring position. Listen, God has called every man in a relationship with his woman to lay down the sacrifice monk. To not have your way simply because you are the man. But to raise the question, is the decision I'm about to make in the best interest of my wife? And is it in the best interest of my family? Jesus gave up heaven not because he wanted to. But that's how he tells us where to love our wives. Can I just give you just a thought? In this passage, love is a command. It's not an option. It's a command. We're to love our wives. We are to love them. We are to agape them. For their benefit, picking up the price tag, we're to sacrifice bunt, we're to lay it down here. It has nothing to do whether you are in love today. Because let's be honest, there are some days you live together as husband and wife. You're committed together as husband and wife, but you're not sure if you love one another as husband and wife. Amen? Oh, come on. You can go ahead and amen there. But with a love, sacrificially. Hey, listen. Love is generated, and this is one of these quotes I think you ought to write down. Love is generated by the need of the person being loved, not by the feeling of the one doing the loving. Love is generated by the need of the one, by the person being loved, not the feeling of the one being loved. And let me just share this. Christ was not into crosses, but he was into us, and that brought him to the cross. His love for you, his love for me is what took him to the cross. See, we've got to protect our house. 50% divorce rate is unacceptable. And guys, I'm talking to you. The Bible says you to be the spiritual leader of the household. Men, you ought to stand up and say, honey, we're going to small group instead of your wife nagging you to go. You ought to be Leading the way in worship and devotion, prayer, talking about it, sharing. But it goes beyond just the discussion of it. It, it demands that you sacrifice those things of value to you. So that you can move your spouse and your family along to Christ-likeness. Because the goal is not to have more money in the bank. The goal is not to have good kids. The goal is to be more like Jesus because you've spent this amazing lifetime together. We men want a lot from our wives, don't we? But when we look at the sacrifice list, it, it looks pretty slim. 
Fellas, I'm telling you, if you want the most from your wife, if you want all that you want, if you want your complaints answered, if you want your needs met, if you want tenderness given, then the question on your side of the fence is what does your sacrifice list look like? Because if it's empty or non-existent, then that could be the reason. You're not getting what you're desiring in your relationship with your wife. Because you're not sacrificing for your wife and loving her like Christ loved the church. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes?